Hey everyone, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next, episode 30. Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader, what should I read next? We don't get bossy on this show. What we will do here is give you the information you need to choose your next read. Every week, we'll talk all things books and reading and do a little literary matchmaking with one guest. Before we do that, I'm asking you readers to make sure you are subscribed to this podcast on iTunes. Just go to whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash iTunes and hit subscribe. Doing that ensures you won't miss out on future episodes, so make sure to take a minute and check your settings. Today's guest is Amy Johnson. Amy grew up in a big family in a small town in rural Colorado. How small, you ask? Amy says there were literally more books in her home than people in her town. These days, Amy describes herself as an ISTJ type A upholder. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, don't worry, we'll fill you in. Amy has read a ton and choosing books for her was a joy and a challenge. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get to it. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anne. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, well, I am so happy to have you. Thanks for coming on. Amy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your reading life? Sure. So I've been married to my husband, Mike, for 11 years, and we have four kids, all boys. And um, so we have an almost eight-year-old, a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a two-year-old. And so you can imagine having that many boys. Um our house is wild and crazy and <laughs> half the time I don't understand it at all or know how to deal with it um, because I'm the only girl in the family. But um, it's great. I love having boys and um, I know that you're really into personalities. So I wanted to say that I am an ISTJ and I'm also, um, if you know Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies in her new book, mm -hmm. yes, I'm an upholder. So I have a very type A type of personality. And um, so I stay home with our kids. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, which I love. And then I teach piano lessons on the side. That's um, actually what my degree was in in college was music. Wow. And so I use that a little bit still at home, just very minimally, but mm -hmm. it's a good outlet for me. Um, but then I also have just a little book blog that I started about four years ago because reading had become such a big part of my life. And I wanted a way to kind of process the books I was reading and connect with other people who had loved the same books. So um, that's been kind of a fun way for me to um, take one of my interests and and use it in a different way. So that is that, fun. Has yeah. starting that blog changed your reading life? I think so because, well, it's definitely changed the way I read just because you're always thinking about, oh, well, that would be an interesting thing to mention when I review this book or um, just makes you think a little bit more critically about what you're reading. Um, it hasn't necessarily changed what I read, but just how I process it. I feel like I've always been a reader. Um, I loved reading as a little girl and my mom is a big reader and read to us a lot. But then when I went to college, um, like I said, I was a music major. And so all of my time seemed to end up in the practice room and not reading for fun at all. And um, so I 
feel like I really rediscovered reading after my first child was born and I was kind of wondering what to do with my life and felt like I had fallen into a little bit of an intellectual rut. Mm -hmm. And then I remembered reading and that (laughs) just uh, gave me, it was kind of one of those things where in a, in my life where so many things had to be redone every day or every hour, reading was one of those things where I could just check it off. You know, I could read the book and close it and finish it and it stayed finished. And that was kind of nice. <laughs> for I've me. heard other mothers say that like yeah. the laundry will need to be done again in approximately 12 minutes. That book is going to stay read. Yep. Okay. Although I forget a lot too, because I definitely have a mother's brain and it just doesn't stay dick like it used to. It might be a human brain. Yeah, (laughs) it's possible. I hope so. Um, Amy, when do you read with, you know, living in, we have four kids too, and we, yeah, it's just generally crazy town around here. So how do you fit that into your life logistically? So I listen to a lot of audiobooks Mm -hmm. because I can do that during quiet time and still um, catch up on things that need to be done around the house. Um, but I think also I just find those little moments to read during the day. Um, you know, if I'm drying my hair, I have a book in my hand or if I'm brushing my teeth, I'm reading a book or if I'm waiting for my son, um, at school, I'm reading. So I feel like since reading is a priority for me, I just find those little moments that present themselves during the day. I just always have a book. And so even if I'm not getting a big chunk of time, Um, I'm still able to get through quite a bit. I think that is one thing about readers. Like you don't, you don't consider life without a book. You're just, you just always have one with you. And so that's kind of your go-to thing to do in those down moments that come during the day. Fun. Well, I can't wait to put some more books in your queue. Yes, I'm excited. Okay. Well, you know how this works, Amy. You're going to tell me three books you love, one book you hate, and what you've been reading lately. And we'll talk about what you should read next. Great. Okay. Let's hear your favorites. What's book one? So my first choice, I'm going to go with The Boys in the Boat Mm -hmm. by Daniel James Brown. Now, I hear this is fantastic on audio. Is that how you read it? I did. I read it on audio and I would highly recommend that. Um, It might be good in paper form also. I read it in paper and liked it quite a bit. But but everybody, when I posted about it on my blog, I heard, oh, you should have about the audio version, which I'm wonderful. I'm thrilled to hear it's so good. Well, I would say the thing about the audio, and I don't know if this is true. We read this from um, a book club last year. And some people thought that it moved a little bit slowly Mm -hmm. at first. And I never felt that. And I think part of that was that I listened to it on audio. So um, the more technical details just kind of, you know, kept flowing. And then the races, it felt like you were listening to the radio or watching it on TV because it was, you were hearing the audio of it. So back up a little bit. Tell us about what boys, what boat, what (laughs) races. So The Boys in the Boat is the true story of nine young men from the University of Washington who went to the Berlin Olympics in 1936, and they were the rowing team, the American rowing team. And the story mainly follows the the young man who sat in the seventh seat of the boat. His name is Joe Rance, and um, Joe had a very hard life. And all of the boys that were in this boat... Um, 
came from working class families, but Joe seemed to have it particularly hard. Um, his mother died when he was really young. And then the woman that his father married, um, she kind of is the stepmother, the evil stepmother personified, I think. She's just really didn't like Joe at all. And eventually she convinces um, Joe's father to leave him, to abandon him basically when he's 15 years old and to fend for himself. And it's during the Great Depression. And so it's a really tough time to be left on your own. And um, But Joe has a lot of perseverance and um, just a good work ethic. And he eventually makes it to the University of Washington where he gets on the freshman rowing team. And he had not been a rower. And I think the book kind of mentions that the only reason he even really wanted to be on the freshman team was because it was going to offer him a part-time job and he needed the money. Mm -hmm. So, so he worked really hard to get on that freshman team. Um, but the book, I, it's nonfiction, but it's told in a narrative style with a lot of dialogue and, um, but the dialogue all comes from interviews and journal entries. So it's very, real, very true, um, but still told in a really engaging way and moved along at a really great pace. Um, and I tend to really like narrative nonfiction because it's a true story. And I'm, I just think you can't beat that when something so amazing happens in real life. And I am not much of a sports fan and knew nothing about rowing. And so I wouldn't necessarily think that this book would be something that I would enjoy just because of the content. Mm -hmm. But it was told in such an incredible way that I was sucked into the story. And really by the end, the, the final race, the Olympic race, which I mean, it's not a spoiler. They win the gold medal. I mean, that is on the cover of the book. That's mm -hmm. the subtitle. So you know that they're going to win the whole time. But the last race I was convinced that I'd somehow misinterpreted the <laughs> subtitle and that they were going to lose. I mean, it just seems like everything is against them. And I was on the edge of my seat, just cheering, tears streaming down my face. I mean, it was a very emotional race. So, mm -hmm. so it's just, yeah, just a gripping, inspiring story. And it was one of those that you know, I, I always kind of have my kids in the back of my head as I'm reading. And especially with boys, um, I think I'm always looking for books that are going to help them become good, hardworking young men. And this was one, when I read it, I thought this is one that has to be on our shelves because when my boys are 14, 15 years old, I want them to have this as an option to read. Um, because as far as the content goes, it's very, um, very innocent, I would say, because, well, I've read, um, have you read Unbroken? By, I have, yeah. Yeah. Which is so, frequently recommended as if, you know, if you liked Unbroken, yes. read The Boys in the Boat or vice versa. Which I would totally agree with. Um, but, but the yeah. content is so much heavier because it's taking place during World War II. And this one's taking place right on the cusp of mm -hmm. World War II. So you're getting that for a backdrop and you see Hitler and kind of how evil he was and um, conniving and just how much of the war he had already planned out ahead of time. And that's pretty scary, but you're not really seeing the details yet because m many of the details haven't played out yet. So in that way, I felt like 
The Boys in the Boat is a book that I could hand to a young teenager, Mm -hmm. whereas something like Unbroken, I would think Mm -hmm. they would need to be a little bit more mature for. There are young readers editions of both. And I've been trying, I think I tried a little too hard. I think I played my cards wrong to get my oldest son, who's 13, to read the young readers edition just because I brought it home from an event. And I I think I was a little too pushy. So he's like, well, my mom (laughs) thinks I'm going to like that. So no, but I'm not sure what the content difference is with Unbroken in the young readers edition. Because he's yeah. a sensitive soul. I wouldn't recommend Unbroken for many right. years. I've been interested to look into both of those, actually, mm-hmm. just to see if I would want them to do that or if I'd rather wait till they could actually read the full. I mean, maybe for Unbroken, just so that they can get that story mm-hmm. before they're too old. But Yeah. Well, I really like what you said about how you don't need to love sports to love this book. I just mm-hmm. picked it up myself because it kept being recommended to me. And there's so many levels of underdog in this book. So if yes. you like a good underdog story, you've got, you know, UW up against the elite East Coast schools mm-hmm. because Seattle was a backwater in 1936. And or that even starts before that 36 is when they yes. get to the Olympics. And, you know, Joe, and then And the other teammates, he's not super unusual in being um, from humble origins, is how you put Mm -hmm. that gently. And then when the U.S. (laughs) goes to the world stage, there's just, it's a wonderful underdog story on many levels. Okay. What's book two? So book two is called Navigating Early by Claire Vanderpool. Yes. This is very different. So this is um, a middle grade novel. And I'm a big fan of middle grade fiction. Um, and I think that surprises a lot of people. Um, have you read this one? I haven't. So no, I've only read Moon Over Manifest. Okay. So I, I've read Moon Over Manifest too and loved it. I mean, I read that first and um, was almost a little bit scared to pick up Navigating Early because I it, Moon Over Manifest was her first book and Navigating Early was her second. And I think I was a little worried that um, that moon over manifest would be a one book wonder or something Mm -hmm. and that navigating early wouldn't be able to hold up to it. But for me, I felt like it even surpassed moon over manifest. I mean, I just, I love it so much. Um, so it takes place right after world war Mm two. So boys in the boat was right before and navigating early is right after. And, um, the main character is a boy named Jack and I think he's 11 or 12 years old, but he's, been waiting for his father who served as a naval captain during the war to come home and right before his father gets home his mother contracts I think an illness or something and dies tragically just very um, unexpectedly and so Jack's father gets home and they they don't know each other anyway because they've spent so many years apart, but just having this grief on top of that makes it so that they can't really handle each other. And so Jack's father ships him off to boarding school in Maine. And Jack is from Kansas. So Maine is quite the culture shock to mm-hmm. him. And um, so he has a hard time fitting in. And the only boy that he really connects with is um, a little boy named Early Auden, which I just love that name. But um, and he's often referred to in the book as that strangest of boys. And they never say it specifically, but you think that he must be somewhere on the autism spectrum. Um, He likes to sort his jelly beans into um, different colors when he's upset and he'll only listen to Billy Holiday if it's raining and he's really obsessed with the number pie. Uh-huh. And so 
they end up going on this adventure during a school break because Early is actually looking for his brother who was serving during the war and went missing. And Early is convinced that he's still alive. And he believes that the answer to where his brother is can be found in the number pi. So he's created this whole story out of the sequence of numbers um, that follow 3.14. And it's really creative just because you've got the what's actually happening in the story and then it'll, it'll switch back to Early's story of Pi. And um, the two are just kind of interwoven together and end up connecting in kind of a crazy way. And um, so I loved it just for that adventure element. And again, it's another good one for my kids. But I think the reason I really loved it was because I loved early Auden so much. Mm -hmm. He is probably in my top five literary characters of all time. He was just a really great character. I'm guessing that's important to you since you've singled out Joe. Yes. Okay. Okay. What's book three? Okay. Book three is Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. Mm -hmm. It's probably one of the best reading experiences I've ever had, you know, just where you are so immersed in the story and it is like you are living the story. That's what it felt like to me while I was reading it. And it was just such a fun book to be in the middle of. And I think for me, um, even though it's kind of considered a classic. I didn't know anything about the story before I read it. And I hadn't seen um, the movie of it. And um, I didn't know the plot line at all. And so it was so exciting to read it because I didn't know what was going to happen. And just to see the whole plot unfold, it's this very, so it's a gothic suspense novel. I don't know. Is that how you would categorize it? Or how would you? Yeah, that sounds great to me. Like it's a real psychological thriller. Yeah. And it's very, very creepy without being scary. Terrifying. Yeah. Yes. I think that's why I liked it because um, I would not say that I enjoy scary books Mm -hmm. at all. And this one definitely had some moments where I was holding my breath and getting goosebumps, but not where it was giving me nightmares. So there's a difference. Um, For those who haven't read it, it's narrated by um, the second wife of Maxim de Winter. And even though she's narrating the story, you actually never learn her name, which is intentional because his first wife is Rebecca, who the book is uh, the book title refers to, and she is was this very strong personality, and um, you get the sense that she was pretty well loved by those who knew her, and she her influence just kind of uh, pervades through the whole book. So the narrator feels this the whole time. You know, she can't do anything. She can't sit at the writing desk. She can't go outside. She can't put on a raincoat. Everything reminds her of Rebecca, even though she never knew Rebecca. And so she's always feeling like she's living in Rebecca's shadow. And and the way the author builds that up is just so great. Okay, Amy, you said this was one of the best reading experiences you ever had. So I remember reading Rebecca. I got the hardcover at the library after a friend said, oh my gosh, this is the best (laughs) book I'd ever read. And I knew nothing about it or about my friend's taste. So I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I curled up with it on 
the bed during the day when I had one baby and, um, I'm not sure I got up before I finished. Like, it just sucks you right in. So what it was does. your reading? And this was many years ago. What was your reading experience like with this? So I definitely, I did not read it in one day, but it was but did one you of, want to? Yes, very much. And it was one of those books where you were always thinking about it and wondering what was going to happen next. And um, I remember one time I was, I think I was doing dishes or something because I was listening to it. And it's this scene where the protagonist, I think she's standing at a window and um, the housekeeper comes up behind her, Mrs. Danvers, who is a pretty disturbing character anyway, but she comes up behind her and starts talking to the protagonist and she lays her hand on the protagonist's arm. And I am telling you, when she did that, I could feel someone laying a hand on my arm. Like that's how real it was to me. And, um, and then my husband got home like right at that moment. And it was really hard to pull myself out of that scene. Yeah. It's a book that really gets under your skin. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Change of pace. What's the book you hate? So the book I'm choosing is State of Wonder by Ann Patchett. So this was another book club book and I was in the minority with not loving it because most, I, I would say that our book club has been going now for seven years and I think it's still in the top books for some of the attendees, but mm -hmm. it's not in mine. Um, and I think, so as far as the actual story and the writing, I liked it. It was, um, it's well-written and it's kind of this, uh, ethical adventure has a little mystery element to it. Mm -hmm. So it's very engaging and very interesting. And I would say, you know, if you'd asked me in the middle of the book, I think I would have said, oh, this is probably a four star book for me, you know, very, um, very, very well rounded and very, very I can't think of the word, but okay. yes. Yeah, so you're okay with the premise. Yes, so we have exactly. uh, Big Pharma sends two people on a journey into the heart of the Amazon in search of drugs, medicine, which is a very interesting premise, the whole, the details of the drug. So yeah. you're okay with that. It's a contemporary yeah. setting and none of your favorites are. So then I got to the last four pages and obviously I won't say what happens because it's the last four pages, uh -huh. but... It, I felt like up to that point, I knew what the book was about. You know, like you said, um, this story through the Amazon, um, this fertility drug, this malaria vaccine, these characters who are trying to find other characters. And, but then in the last four pages, I felt like all of that kind of wasn't actually the point of the book. And it kind of switched to, selfish desires and unfaithfulness and broken promises. And the whole book fell apart for me at that point. And it was kind of one of those experiences where I felt like I was cheated as a reader because I didn't realize that the ending was going to go that way. Not that, and that sounds like I don't like surprise endings. I am okay with surprise endings and I'm okay with books not having happy endings. And I'm also okay with books um, that don't tie up every loose end. Mm -hmm. But there was something about this one that made me feel like the characters that I had spent the whole book getting to know 
didn't stay true to who I thought they were. And that really made me upset. Okay. I think so, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So it's not a plotting issue. It's not necessarily the like, whoa, Ann Patchett, like that kind of came out right. of left field, but the themes of the yes. book. Okay. Well, not even because I would have said I was okay with all the themes, uh -huh. except how they all turned out at the oh. end. <laughs> So I know I'm being vague, but, um, no, you I need to be, you need to be. Yeah. Because and I people think, still want to read this. Right. And I would recommend it to people because people that I know and who actually we have similar reading tastes, this is one of their favorite books. So, but I think the point of this is just that for me, the ending plays a huge part in how, I come away from the book feeling. Mm -hmm. And so if the ending falls flat for me, even if the rest of the book was a four-star book, it's the book will be ruined. <laughs> so, gotcha. and uh, yeah, I just, I felt like I wished I had stopped reading it earlier, but I didn't know that I would wish that because there was no way to know because I was enjoying it mm -hmm. up until the last four pages. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Okay. Have you read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert? I've had it checked out from the library, okay. but well, it had to go back before. Oh, no. Read it. You, yes. It My, was very sad. But I'm going to get it again because I read, I was skimming it and uh -huh. it was, it looked good. So. My favorite part of Big Magic is her story about State of Wonder. Yes. I remember you saying that. Because it's so good. Yeah. So good. So I wonder if that will redeem state of wonder for it's me. It's not going to change but... the ending. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I appreciate your optimism, but you know, it'll, it'll maybe shed another interesting light on it, yes. but it's not going to change those last four pages. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, it was a nice thought. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, what are you reading right now? Okay. So I'm reading, um, several things right now. Um, I just finished this week, a book called Peter Nimble and his fantastic eyes by yeah, Jonathan Oxier and that's another middle grade novel. Uh -huh. And that was very good. I really enjoyed that. Um, but then I'm also reading. So my husband and I have a trip to Europe planned later this summer. So Ooh. I've kind of been choosing books to help me get in the mood for that. And uh, so I've been reading The Monuments Men. Yeah. And also Neither Here Nor There by Bill Bryson, which just kind of talks about his travels through Europe. And, um, and then I just barely started when breath becomes air. I like it. Well, it's hard when you can only choose three books and here you've just only added three or four more. That's not for some readers. That's very representative. And for others, mm -hmm. it, you need a hundred to feel like <laughs> right. you're actually adequately portraying your reading life. Yep. Okay. Amy, is there anything you want to be different in your reading life? I've been thinking about this question and I, so I would say that for me, reading is a priority. And like we were talking about at the beginning, I do try and make time for it, but um, I feel like my reading is happening, like I said, in little snippets. And I would love to be able to use chunks of time better to read. And I guess what I mean by that is like if my kids are having quiet time or something, actually, I would love to just sit down with a real book and not always have it be an audio book if I'm trying to get things done. Mm -hmm. Or I would love to go to bed at a decent time instead of staying up, not really doing anything, but waiting until like 1130 and then um, 
you know, falling asleep within two pages. I would love it if I would go to bed at 10 so that I could read for an hour before I got too tired. Um, And so I think part of that, and I'm sure you've had this too, but um, some books really pull me in and I find that I am reading them almost constantly. And so I know that I have the time to read more if the book is the right book. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and not that I want all my books to be incredibly fast paced and I can't put them down, but um, just, I think even with some slower paced books, I would like it if I would feel compelled to go to bed early so that I could read them instead of um, only getting to read a couple of pages at a time. I can appreciate that. So we want books that make you want to stop and read. Yes. Or just, you know, close my computer (laughs) instead of just mindlessly surfing the internet, not doing anything. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about. Like Mm -hmm. at at 10 o'clock at night, usually my brain is done and I'm not actually doing anything productive during that time. I'm just not going to bed because that seems like that takes too much effort. When what I would really love is to get ready for bed and just be able to relax for an hour before I go to sleep without staring at the computer. I can't wait to hear. Um, I can't wait to see where we end up in half an hour. Yes. <laughs> right after I'm the break. excited. All right. Sounds good. Welcome back. Amy, I am so excited to pick books for you because your taste is so diverse. I personally resonate with it a lot. I bet a lot of listeners do too. However, that means it's kind of tricky to narrow it down. (laughs) You have nonfiction, you have middle grade, you have Rebecca, which is a classic, what, it's set in the, about 100 years ago, do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, we have psychological suspense, we have mystery and grief, we have boarding (laughs) school, we have a university... (laughs) (laughs) We have Olympic athletes, like we're kind of all over the place. However, Amy, here is the common thread I totally see. You like a good story with narrative drive, compelling characters. I'm thinking, especially based on what you said about State of Wonder, that you want likable characters, like characters you can root for who aren't going to let you down. I'm trying to keep that appropriately vague. I feel like at least um, if they make... (sighs) poor choices or, you know, maybe don't have the same moral code that I do, that at least I can see a reason for it, or at least there's some redemption or some change or character growth or something. But yes, I don't feel like I can root for a character who doesn't... I don't know. That doesn't. Um, I have, have a, a great st- quote for you. Yeah. So I was just leading a book club chat about Monica Wood's novel, The One in a Million Boy, which is so mm-hmm. good. So Monica Wood has said, she's the author of that. If a writer can't make you like a character, she must at least make you understand that yes. character. And I feel like that's where you are with your favorites. And that's where you weren't with State of Wonder. Like you I got to the end exactly and you thought, right. I don't know you at all. And I thought I did. Yep. That is a perfect way to describe it, that I didn't understand the characters in that book. And I felt like I should have after reading the whole book. So, okay, interesting. So moving forward, I'm going to pick diverse books for you as well. And it might sound like they're all over the place, but the unifying threads are going to be well-written story with strong narrative drive and characters that you are either rooting for or are seeking to understand and will feel like you understand at the end. 
Also, if they had a little bit of mystery in the story, that wouldn't be a bad thing. That sounds awesome. Yep. That sounds like exactly what I like. I'm going to start with the nonfiction pick and you're going to say, hmm, that doesn't sound like the kind of book I'd be interested in, (laughs) but you are. And I'm going to try to convince you. Okay. Okay. Here it goes. Book one is Seabiscuit by Laura Hillenbrand. Have you read it? I have not, but I think my husband has. So, okay. She is the author of Unbroken, but Mm -hmm. this is her book that doesn't get any love. I mean, that's not true. It's a total, like it's a bestseller. It sold a bazillion copies, but since Unbroken came out, it's been unbroken all the time. Yes. this one isn't. So Hillenbrand, because she suffers from, oh, what's the disease? Chron- she has chronic fatigue syndrome. Not the kind that got you out of gym class in high school, but like <laughs> the legit life-changing chronic fatigue syndrome, which is why it takes her 10 years to put together a book. The combination of her personal um, struggle or, you know, capabilities and the fact that her books are meticulously researched means that it takes her a decade and she's working on a new one i'm like oh i can't wait to read that in 2023 (laughs) right (laughs) okay so her even though so many people know her as the author of unbroken one of her first gigs was actually the editor of equus magazine because i thought why seabiscuit but at that time in her life it was a natural progression okay here's why i think this is the book for you amy we have a fantastic story with amazing narrative drive. We have this very interesting trio of characters. Well, four if you if you throw in the horse. So there's <laughs> so Sea Biscuit. The I think on the flap it says something like "Who made all the headlines back in the in 1936?" Oh, which is Boys in the Boat. Totally. Yeah, that's funny. You know, they have like World War II on the horizon and the Great Depression. And what are all, who's the most mentioned character in all the newspaper articles in the United States? It's this horse. So he was like very present during this time. So the three characters at the heart of this book are like this band of misfits. So you have the owner, the trainer, the jockey. And of course, you have this famous horse. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I live in Louisville, Kentucky. So we are home to the Kentucky Derby. I went on field trips to Churchill Downs as a kid. And we still, you know, drive by it sometimes and wave, go occasionally. And even still, I didn't want to pick up this book because it's about a horse. So <laughs> you probably feel that way. But I just need to encourage you to get yourself a copy and read the first paragraph, at which point you'll read the next paragraph. And you'll look up 20 pages later and being like, what time is it? And do I have time to read another 20 pages? Awesome. So, this is also a very, like, it's a huge underdog story. Like Seabiscuit was, um, he had knobbly knees or something like that that made him not stand out to the horse buyers. But the trainer that the owner enlisted and trusted implicitly said, like, we have a diamond in the rough here. And I just need to, you need to believe me and take a chance on it. And the jockey was half blind, which is uh, perilous in horse racing mm-hmm. and somehow pulled it off. So Massive underdog story on multiple levels, huge narrative drive, so exciting and suspenseful. And right now, you never believed you'd be so interested in a book about a thoroughbred, but you're going to start reading and you're going to be like, I'm so glad I took a chance on this book. Maybe not every listener, but if you resonated with the description of the boys in the boat, or even if you loved Unbroken, like you're in good hands with Laura Hillenbrand, if that's the kind of book you like. What do you think? No, it sounds good. I think you know, after I finished Unbroken and I really loved it, I did look into what else um, she'd written and I found that. And just like you said, I mean, I'm not a huge horse fan. And so I think I thought, uh, that's probably not for me, but hearing your description, I think, I think you're right. Just that human nature story and just the story of the underdog. I love those stories. And 
like with Boys in the Boat, I didn't love rowing. I have no interest in rowing, but that book made me love rowing. So I think the same thing will probably happen with Seabiscuit. Now, this book may not make you love horses. I mean, I still don't think <laughs> I feel like that, but but you'll be you'll be rooting for the characters yes. and going like this is amazing how did this happen how do they come together and make this magic like you'll think the the when i mean it's no spoiler to say like he wins everything <laughs> right and you're like woo from your sofa yeah that sounds perfect excellent okay that was the easy one now do you want to go i have several books in mind i'm thinking middle grade i'm thinking ya Actually, I don't know if I'm going to let you off the YA one. And I'm thinking <laughs> adult, gothic-y kind of Rebecca fiction. Yeah. What do you think? That, I mean, <laughs> let's do it. That sounds good. <laughs> if it's hard for you to pick favorites, it's hard for me to pick books for you too. Yep. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's go with the YA one. There's nothing about your picks that make me think, oh, I should choose YA for you. But it's this story that okay. that makes me think that it would be a good idea. Okay, this is Codename Verity by Elizabeth Ween. Do you know anything about this book? I've read it. <gasps> what did you think? Yes. We'll see if I'm on the right track. I liked it a lot. Yes. Okay. So I think you're on the right track with that one because, um, yeah, that was a very compelling story and, you know, a good story about friendship and surprise ending, but one that I was okay with and um, could could see why it had to go that way. So yes, love that book. Excellent. Have you read the sequel, Rose Under Fire? No, I haven't. Yeah, neither have I. I keep meaning <laughs> to, but I haven't gotten there yet. I'm I just know. wondering your take. Okay. How about The Marvels by Brian Selznick? No, I have not read that. I haven't read anything by Brian Selznick and I've meant to. So okay. Well, he seems right up your alley. So this is a middle grade book. And the thing about Brian Selznick books is that they are well, massive, first of all. So mm -hmm. you might see it on the shelf and be like, whoa, boy, I don't have space for that in my life. And they are total works of art. So that's important to know. Because if you see a Brian Selznick book on the shelf, you they, they're humongous. Mm -hmm. But so many of them are just intricate, like the one I'm about to recommend, the first 400 pages are very intricate drawings, where mm -hmm. you do, you really want to look at every page because they're amazing. But it doesn't take you the time it takes to read 400 pages. It probably right. takes you less than an hour to make it through those 400 pages. Okay, so the one I'm recommending for you is The Marvels. And this is the final book in a loosely connected trilogy. The first two, in case you've heard of them, are The Invention of Hugo Cabaret mm -hmm. and Wonderstruck. But the reason I'm recommending this is because they're loosely connected. If I didn't say that before, it's okay to jump in here. Um, just the, the themes and the journey element seem right up your alley. It's 1766. And there is a boy, Billy Marvel. So the title comes from a family name. Mm -hmm. He's shipwrecked and rescues. And then he goes on and becomes part of a brilliant family of actors in London centering around, I think, the Globe Theater um, from that time in 1766 till 1900. This is this book is all over the place. So it's um, it's all about the family, the Marvels and their connection to it's the Royal Theater. It's not. the mm -hmm. Royal. So in the first 400 pages, you see the whole history of the family laid out in like cards and letters and sketches. Hmm. And there are even playbills. It's very interesting. So that conveys like the family's journey over time and how they developed. And 
something interesting about this is Selznick's, like his um, shtick, is that he's imagining a backstory, a fictional backstory, for a very real tourist attraction in England today. It's called the Dennis Severs House. Hmm. And so it's very rooted. If you're going to Europe, I don't know if you're going to to England or not. I wish. We were at first, (laughs) but now we're not. We had to cut something out. So... Mm-hmm. another time i just have to make another trip yeah well i think it's really interesting how he ties together fact and fiction and i don't want to give away too much of the story but it's uh sweeping it's set in the past which is something you picked for all your book there's grief and mystery and suspense um uh, it's definitely atmospheric and it's mm-hmm. just so beautiful how does that sound to you it sounds good i mean i have been meaning to read something by him for a long time and um is this his most recent one or where does this fall in his mind? I believe books? it's his most recent one. Okay. Because I he has another like, one waiting in the rings, like for okay. imminent release. It just came out last year. Because I feel like I didn't know anything about the plot or the story and that sounds really good. So I am excited to check that out. And I think it's one that my kids might like too. So they are almost the, well, yeah, they could be the right age and it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. yeah I think kids his books beautiful look books. so gorgeous mm-hmm. in the bookstore. I love seeing his books displayed. They really do. They look amazing. And I think the common age recommendation is like fourth or fifth grade for this one. Okay. Which yeah. depend depending on your child, you know, emotional and reading level can go either direction. Right. So, yeah, and I, I would definitely... probably read it myself first anyway, because um, I tend to do that before. Well, not with everything that I give them, but with some things that I'm not sure about. So, yeah. I can appreciate that. Okay. Book three is, well, let's see. I think you must have read it because it's so perfect for you. Have you read <laughs> The 13th Tale by Diane Setterfield? No, but I've heard about it and wondered if I would like it. So I'm glad to hear you recommending it. Okay, so this is a recent book set. Well, you know what? I was thinking it was historical fiction, but I don't believe it actually is. It just has there. It flashes back and forth in time between roughly the present day and the youth of a very famous author. So let's see. This came out about 10 years ago, and it stands firmly in the tradition of the Gothic greats like Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights. Have you read either of those? I read Jane Eyre and okay. I love Jane Eyre. Okay. You might want to put Wuthering Heights on your like okay. your list forever. You may not love it. You may be like, wow, this is crazy over the top, <laughs> which is a lot of people's reactions. Uh-huh. But so like, so Rebecca is built on the back of Wuthering Heights. Okay. So the premise of this I thought was really intriguing. So there are two characters, a young woman who is a biographer She writes other people's life stories and an old, very famous British author. So the British author contacts this young woman who's laboring in obscurity. It's not like she's, it's not like anyone knows who she is really and what she does for a living. So she contacts her and asks her to write her biography. And this young woman is like, why me? And they're linked in a way that um, is a mystery that the story explores and Mm. The title is very interesting. So the 13th tale is the missing story that provides clues to the mystery of the author's 
one of the author's very famous works called 12 Tales of It's Love and Something Something. I can't remember exactly. But the missing, the biographer realizes like, wait a second. At some point she realizes that there used to be a 13th tale and that holds the key to everything. So we're diving into the mystery of both these women's lives and it's it flashes back and forth in time. There's a lot of gothic drama. It's very atmospheric. It's creepy without being scary. There are a couple scenes that made my highly sensitive self go, ooh, I would have cut that line. But okay. very, very rare. I uh, think that's maybe why, because I've heard it recommended a lot and it sounded like one I would like, but then always with that caveat. And I wondered if I that would be too much for me, but... I don't know. I'm very intrigued by it. I feel like I'm being very careful about descriptions when I toss that in. Like I hardly ever see that mentioned, if that makes a difference. It's not like you need to put a big post-it note on the front. Um, On the other hand, I wouldn't want my 13-year-old reading it. But but, um, it's it's not abundant by any means. Okay, so we have strong characters that suck you into a compelling mystery. You really want to find out what happens next. Like this is a page turner, Mm -hmm. plot driven, atmospheric. How does that sound to you? It sounds fantastic. It actually sounds like something I would really love. So I think you're spot on with that recommendation. Okay. Of those three books, Amy, what do you think you'll read next? I actually think I might go with The 13th Tale next because I'm reading a lot of nonfiction right now Mm -hmm. and I've recently been reading a lot of middle grade. And so um, that just sounds like what I'm really in the mood for. It sounds like a really great book. So I think that's what I'm going to go with. Well, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Thanks so much for talking books with me today. It was so much fun. Thanks, Anne. Oh, it was my pleasure. Hey, readers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy today please head to the podcast site to share your recommendations for what Amy should read next. That page is at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com slash 30. That's the numerals three zero. And it's also where you'll find the full list of titles we talked about today. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone.